0: This is DW News, and these are our top stories. The United States is sending 3,000 troops to Romania, Poland, and Germany to beef up its presence along NATO's eastern European border. The move is meant to reassure NATO allies of America's commitment to to defense and to deter a Russian invasion of Ukraine. The Kremlin denounced the move as destructive and likely to increase tensions. At least 26 people have been killed in the Democratic Republic of Congo after a high voltage power line snapped and fell. The incident happened on the outskirts of the capital, Kinshasa. Authorities say the cable hit homes and a market, killing several people by electrocution. Germany and the U.S. have rejected the word apartheid in connection with Israel. Amnesty International published a report accusing Israel of practicing, quote, segregation, dispossession and exclusion of Palestinians. Amnesty said its findings were based on the seizure of Palestinian land and the forcible transfer of people. Israel has rejected the findings. This is DW News from Berlin. There is much more on our website at DW.com.
1: The number is modest. The message is anything but. Today, the Pentagon announced that it is sending 3,000 additional troops to NATO allies in Eastern Europe, Poland, Romania, and here to Germany. The U.S. making it clear these soldiers are prepared to defend NATO, not to fight in Ukraine. And yet this is all about Ukraine and the 100,000 Russian troops standing at Ukraine's doorstep. Russian President Vladimir Putin could easily order an invasion, then we would have a new European battlefield bordering four NATO countries, including those new U.S. troops. I'm Brent Goff in Berlin. This is The Day. The
2: door to diplomacy remains open. Uh, we don't know uh, what decision President Putin will make.
3: We will not give up our territory, no matter what the price. We have to pay huge price for that. We're ready to fight. I believe we believe that the only route
1: to a solution is through de-escalation, diplomacy
3: and dialogue. If it depends on Russia, there will be no war. We don't want war. If not. We have to prepare to take weapons in our hands and defend the country. I think, unfortunately, uh, the die may have been cast.
1: Also coming up, former drug lord Pablo Escobar of Colombia was once known as the king of cocaine. He also created a private palace for his pachyderms. Escobar got arrested. His hippos, they got away.
3: No one wants to kill the hippos, but it's the lesser of two evils in this scenario. To our viewers
1: watching on PBS in the United States and to all of you around the world, welcome. We begin the day with what looks like a 3,000 response to a 100,000 Question: Today, the Pentagon announced that it will be sending 3,000 additional U.S. troops to Germany, Poland, and Romania to shore up NATO's eastern borders in the Baltics and the Black Sea and to reassure NATO allies that the U.S. is committed to collective defense. Four NATO countries in Eastern Europe share a border with Ukraine, which shares a border with Russia, where now more than 100,000 Russian troops are stationed. The Pentagon emphasized today no U.S. troops are going to Ukraine. Now, that will offer a little comfort on either side of the Atlantic tonight. The threat of war in Ukraine, despite official denials from the Kremlin, is real. And the threat of that military conflict spilling over into a NATO country is just as real, too.
3: Another day, another increase in tension over Ukraine. The U.S. is sending 2,000 soldiers to Poland and Germany while another thousand move from Germany to Romania.
0: The current situation demands that we reinforce the deterrent and defensive posture on NATO's eastern flank. President Biden has been clear that the United States will respond to the growing threat to Europe's security and stability. Our commitment to NATO, Article 5, and collective defense remains ironclad
3: the Pentagon made it clear that no U.S. soldiers will fight in Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said diplomacy comes first, but no options are off the table. We only think about peace. We only think about the return of our occupied territories and only through diplomacy. We will not give up a single piece of our land today. We will not give up our territories, no matter what the price. Despite Zelensky's reassurances, others are preparing to do battle if it comes to a fight. The Klitschko boxing brothers, one now the mayor of Kiev, both signed up for the army. We are not weak. And any aggressor have to understand, if they do it activity, aggressive activity against Ukraine. You have to pay huge price for that. We're ready to fight. Leaked documents, confirmed by the Pentagon, reveal the backroom diplomatic efforts to avoid war. The US offered Russia access to inspect key military sites in return for a de-escalation. Russia says it has no intention to invade Ukraine. But these pictures released by Russia's defense ministry showing joint combat drills with Belarus send a clear message. Russia is not backing down.
1: Well, my first guest tonight is Michael Kimmich. He's a history professor at Catholic University of America and a former State Department Russia-Ukraine expert under former President Barack Obama. Professor, it's good to have you on the program. Let me just ask you about today's announcement. 3,000 additional U.S. troops being sent to Eastern Europe. Is that just a drop in the bucket?
2: Well, it's certainly not a hugely significant military factor. The key point, of course, is that these are U.S. troops that are not being sent to Ukraine. U.S. has committed not to fight directly uh, in Ukraine. They're being sent uh, to NATO, NATO allies. They're a sign of support, and I think they're supposed to provide reassurance, but they're not uh, anything that truly changes the military dynamic of the situation on the ground.
1: And they're not going to fight in Ukraine. They're not going to be sent to Ukraine. But Today's announcement is really all about Ukraine, isn't it? I mean, there is this fear. And we just heard from a member of the Polish parliament this evening that if there were to be an invasion of Ukraine by Russia, that that conflict would then spill over into one of the NATO neighbors. How concerned are you that that could actually happen?
2: Well, that's certainly a very significant Concern if you think of the size of of, of Ukraine as a country, you think of its position, you also think of how Russian military hardware and troops have been moved into Belarus. You can see that the regional security dynamic is changing in Europe. And, you know, I think it's imperative uh, that Washington reassure uh, its allies. But I think that the troops are being sent precisely so the conflict doesn't spill over uh, beyond the borders of Ukraine. I think that's the hope behind the, the sending of the troops, not an expectation that it will spill over.
1: We have seen reports of what the u s is offering russia, um, for example it's what's being called a transparency mechanism to confirm that there are no cruise missiles in Romania and Poland. Do you think that that is something that the Russians will see as progress here?
2: I think it's potentially it's potentially possible uh the NATO document that was leaked to a European newspaper sort of came out this Uh, this morning is detailed, Uh, it's, um, it's constructive, Uh, it doesn't give the Russians by any means what they're asking for in terms of the three demands or ultimatums that were put forward a couple of weeks ago by Moscow, but it's certainly a beginning of a conversation uh, and one that's sort of practical minded uh, and could uh, lead in interesting diplomatic directions if the Russians are willing to follow through on that.
1: Well, you know, the U.S. has made demands of Russia and vice versa. Apart from the concrete threat of sanctions, we're not seeing a lot in the way of red lines here. Does that leave the U.S. and Russia with wiggle room, with the flexibility to negotiate um, away from this confrontation?
2: Absolutely. Of course, a lot depends on what Putin's intentions are. If he's decided to go to war already, uh, then the diplomacy is merely Theater, Of course, we don't know that. Uh, and if Putin is signaling that he wants to have a new and different conversation about European security, you know, the Biden administration is not going to make dramatic concessions and they're not going to, uh, you know, sort of do anything uh, substantive, probably in the short to medium term. But I think that they're willing to be uh, interlocutors. And of course, you have European countries, France uh, and others that are uh, engaging in diplomacy with Russia Uh, as well. So, you know, nobody is closing the door, which I think is a very good thing.
1: We've been hearing, especially in the past couple of weeks, that one reason, perhaps why Vladimir Putin seems to be so stubborn this time is because he has China to rely on. I mean, the Kremlin is claiming today that China backs Russian calls for security guarantees um, from the West. How likely is it that China will give any real backing for Russia when it comes to this Ukraine standoff?
2: Oh, I think that's probably bluster. I don't think China would would be involved. And it's not clear that China in any sense wants a conflict with Ukraine, which is an important economic partner of China's. Where China is important for Russia is that uh, it could help with sanctions if those were to come uh, in greater volume from the West. And what China will do in the event of a conflict with Ukraine is not bother Russia uh, on its eastern border so that in a sense, frees Russia up to move its military assets westward. But China is not going to partner with Russia militarily in anything on Ukraine. I think that that's that's absolutely clear, whatever the rhetoric may suggest.
1: We've heard also that Russia's military is much better equipped now than it was in 2014, modernized, um, able to walk the walk and talk the talk. We've also heard that the Kremlin has amassed a huge surplus of foreign um, currency reserves, especially dollars, but also um, euros. With both of those factors, if they are true, would they help to explain why Russia may be blustering so much or, or why Russia may think that um, it's worth you know, taking the chance here and invading Ukraine?
2: Well, that's correct. I mean, I think if Russia does make that move, it's going to be because it has political ends uh, in mind. So it's not just you know, flexing its military muscle. But certainly if you look at the time between 2014 and the present, the key event for Russia is its military move into Syria, which I think Russia judges uh, a success. So yes, they've been pouring a lot of money into the military. Uh, And I think they feel in a general sense that this gives them a voice in Europe. uh, And they're very clear about trying to use that voice. If it truly does, and what the response of Europe is, is Uh, is something that remains to be seen. But no doubt Russia is looking at its military assets and feels a degree of confidence uh, in them. And that's playing a role in Russian diplomacy at the present moment.
1: Professor Michael Kimmich, as always, Professor, we appreciate your time and your insights. Good to see you again. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. Well,
1: it is a first in U.S. history, and it's not a good one. The national debt of the United States has exceeded $30 trillion for the very first time. Figures released by the Department of the Treasury show the overall debt climbed to $30.1 trillion at the end of January. That's $7 trillion higher than the figure just a year ago. The coronavirus pandemic demanded binge borrowing by Congress to finance its COVID-19 rescue plan. However, economists also point to the Trump administration's $1.5 trillion-dollar tax cut as a major catalyst in running up the national debt. All right, I'm joined here in the studio now by my colleague Stephen Beardsley from DW Business. I mean, all we have to do is look at the numbers here. So let me 30 plus 12 zeros, Stephen. I mean, this is truly astronomical. So, I mean, we can't even relate to it. How does this number, though, what does it tell us about the health of the U.S. economy?
3: I mean, let's keep it in perspective, right? I mean, it is a nice, big, fat, round number, But at the same time, it doesn't tell you that much by itself. I'll give you an example. A home loan for $100,000 or let's say $200,000, right? That's more expensive for someone who earns maybe $30,000 in a year than someone who earns Mm $100,000. So we have to look really at GDP in this case. What is that compared to debt? That is higher than it has been in recent years. Uh, At the end of fiscal year 2021, the Congressional Budget Office saying it was around 100 percent, exceeded actually 100 percent. Um, and that projections are that by 2031, it could be 107%. That would actually eclipse its high just after World War II, when America was, was cleaning up, when it was uh, going through a, basically a big, um, basically dealing with war debts, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, this is controversial. At the same time, there are countries that have higher uh, debt to GDP ratios. Look at Japan, for example. Mm-hmm. It also controls its own currency. So there's been a lot of readjustment about how we should look at debt, especially for countries